Hey everyone, come on join me on a talk on maybe a simple topic or maybe much more complex. It's something you need to know if you only dive in. For the longest time, I've thought a Wonder Woman and her origins, curiosity has always sparked in the sight of his comics and her character in those comics. Considering the cultural impact of comics, I've decided to talk about Wonder Woman and feminism. given her status as one of the most prominent female characters in comics throughout its century long history it's maybe hard to ignore that wonder woman's status as a feminist icon is maybe what is known to everyone and it's a very solid fact i would be addressing the fact regarding that wonder woman mostly been created by a man william moulton marston in the 1940s though his wife is sometimes credited as the co-creator old fashioned social and gender norms need not apply to wonder woman even at her inception marston professed his desire to design wonder woman's character and i quote psychological propaganda for the new type of women who i believe should rule the world unquote From the beginning, Marston wanted to create a proactive, strong, assertive woman who was able to keep up with the powerful masculinity seen so often in comic books we see today. He wrote in the American Scholar of the need for young girls to have a strong female role model, and I quote: "Not even girls want to be girls as long as a feminine archetype lacks force, strength." and power not wanting to be girls they don't want to be tender submissive peace loving and as good as women are unquote women's strong qualities have become despised because of their weaknesses obviously the remedy is to create a feminine character with all the strength of a superman plus all the allure of a good and beautiful woman unquote you can tell from this quote that marston's heart was in the right place yet he was still influenced by the culture at that time causing him to imply that good women are submissive still wonder woman was and is still a feminine character with all the strength of a superman plus the allure of a good and beautiful woman not that you have to be beautiful to be good or that beauty means the same thing to everyone jeez this is a mind feel to be a part of not that you have to be beautiful hmm interesting wonder woman's arrival in 1941 couldn't have come at a more influential time for women who wanted to stand up for themselves women's suffrage was still new at the time in the united states the american women at that time were joining the workforce in droves to contribute to the war effort whereas diana prince then with her godlike strength and admirable determination showed women that they could really be rulers of their own fate independent from men um of course wonder woman's treatment throughout the years has occasionally tarnished her role in women's empowerment after the war as men came back and expected women to take traditional family roles the comic storyline began to have greater emphasis on romantic subplots and domestic tensions coming next to the comic code authority created in 1954 to model to police morality in comic books actually accusing wonder woman of corrupting american youth that's right corrupting american youth by advocating for lesbianism forcing the comic to take on much much more stifling and traditional storylines such as 
gone were the days of slaying monsters and fighting crime. Now, all Diana had to worry about was picking the right outfit and making her love interest. Steve Trevor satisfied. In the 1970s, with the rise of the second wave feminism, Wonder Woman with some urging from feminist icon and Wonder Woman fan storia, Gloria Steenem became the empowered, independent woman once more. Steenem even featured Wonder Woman on the cover of Miss Magazine in July 1972, nominating her for president. Now, the Wonder Woman TV show starring Linda Carter, which aired around that time, also helped actually solidify her as a powerful domineering figure at the head of women's liberation movement and had a renewed push for active feminism in the 70s. Which brings us to today and the Wonder Woman movie starring Gal Gadot. It's disappointing it's taken this long to get a female-centric superhero movie made by a woman director like Patty Jenkins. Though with the cries of outrage about women's early screenings at certain theatres and oh god help me, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Even so, Wonder Woman's status as a symbol for empowerment, an empowered woman everywhere cannot be denied and shouldn't be ignored. So what do I think? Frankly, I think like most of today's issues, the nuance is lost in this very debate. We are so quick to concentrate on the extreme left and the extreme right that we miss the common sense in the very middle. The classic idea of feminism, the idea that all men and women are created equal and that they should be, is no-brainer. The claim that the battle for equality has already been won, like some of the radical extremists on the right, would be definitely very silly. However, it's also silly to claim that every man hates women, like some radical extremists on both left have claimed. As usual, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and it's up to us as a society to deduce the vitriolic propaganda from both sides and treat every single person as equal. We can only do that through calm conversation that takes into account that various nuances of the very issue. Ending but the sentence I truly believe in. As John Green once said, truth resists simplicity. Hey everyone, welcome back. Moving on to our next stop, I'm going to be talking about something that is a movie, but not only a movie, but there's a reason I would love to talk about it. Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman, the movie. The reason I'm talking about this movie is because I feel this movie holds really significant loopholes and significant holes that really connect onto a larger circle that make up this character called Wonder Woman. Professor Marston created Wonder Woman character and she was inspired strongly by two women in his life who were Elizabeth and Olive. Wonder Woman sort of encapsulates all the wonderful aspects that he admired and observed between these two women and how strong they were as separate entities, but also as a unified powerhouse. The expression of love for each other, the different dynamics in his life infused this incredible pop icon which we all know right today. Wonder Woman wasn't created 
just to be a regular superhero. She was created by this guy who really specifically wanted to make her a psychological propaganda. He was a psychologist. He wanted this kind of an insertion of his ideas about men, women, feminism and psychology into Wonder Woman. He wanted young girls of his time to grow up with a figure like Wonder Woman that shows that a young woman can do anything if they put their mind to it. They can be anything. He wanted to save the world by trying it to get into the minds of men. He started with his very generation of boys and changed how they thought about women, how they thought about war, how they thought about love, and so there would be peace on this very planet. William Marston was a Boston-born thoroughbred. He came from a very historical family and was very intelligent. He wrote five books. He had a theory called the Dis Theory, where he basically believed that every social situation, whether it be a policeman and the criminal or the teacher and the student or the relation of any sort of dynamic, could be broken down into these four categories of emotional dominance, inducement, submission, and compliance. This theory was something that he drew on throughout his whole life. It influenced everything he did from the invention of the lie detector test through the attributes and the tools that the very Wonder Woman we know today had. He thought that men would never give up their power voluntarily. So he reasoned that if he could have women realize what he had, their captivation emotion, just kind of their sexual allure and trained men to love being submissive, then that would bring about peace on this planet basically. Many thought that he was a guy who had a wife and a mistress and that they all lived together but it was all separate. Then the information passed about of an incredible detail which was that after Marston died, Elizabeth and Olive stayed together for 38 years and that just blew my mind. This wasn't just a guy who had a wife and a mistress but there was love there between all three of them. And then another detail that really hit me which was Elizabeth named her only daughter after Olive named her Olive Anne. So considering the interesting facts arrived upon the movie Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman morphs to represent all three of their perspectives. Speaking on the movie, I was personally drawn to Elizabeth because she was so charming but so infuriating. She was outspoken, she was dominant and it was something very appealing about seeing a character like that that had so much of power within social dynamics. There's a scene in the movie where the three characters, Marston, Elizabeth and Olive, are standing in a trio where Marston professes a situation of love between the three, to which Elizabeth replies, and I quote, It's an orthodox, surely prosterous. It's a fantasy and we have to live in reality. Unquote. But the internal struggle is actually that she is sort of fighting a kind of deep rooters. Puritanism actually and conventionally and the fear of being what she actually is which is you know what we would call it by today standards of queer as you know on the queer spectrum of like you know you know interested 
you're interested in this, you're interested in that, you know what, fluid and all the rest of it. But she doesn't own that. And in the way the film is, is that her journey is to accepting and submitting to this on some level. It seemed to me that she was this incredibly bold woman who wasn't necessarily allowed to live out her potential. She reminds me so much of everybody I know of so many women out there and the kind of working throughout the world. And there's something that locks you to her very story. Olive, on the other hand, is actually the strongest character in the movie. She starts very impressionable, young, but she has this boldness, self-sufficiency that is quiet but very grounded. It's strong and she falls in love with these two dynamic characters and then ends up kind of guiding them throughout the film. She's a really open, warm, loving person and she's a kind of incapable of hiding her feelings and I think that's really endearing quality and a person in a person is kind of a form of bravery. I think she starts off just terrified of who she is and how that that might be perceived or you know if it's okay to be the way she is or feel the things she's feeling. She then meets these two people who actually want to see her you know, who were actually interested in her. Olive definitely is the linchpin that ties the relation together of the three. And it was really important to have that power and explore the interest in consent and exploring the notion of that and that she really knew what she was doing and decided to do it. We all know about Wonder Woman, her character, but to know how where and what the character arose from is so important to Wonder Woman as a very character. I believe that was created with the intention of bringing a message of love, a message of peace, and I feel that Professor Marston and Wonder Woman anchors that very message. It was these people, their love and their ideas that gave birth to this very superhero who is totally different than any other we know today. Hey guys, moving on to our second stop. A path through origin, history and impact. Marston lived in a polymorous relationship with Olive and his wife and fellow psychologist Elizabeth. Elizabeth reportedly had the idea to make Diana a woman in the first place, while Olive who bracelets that eventually inspired the one Wonder Woman wore. Their not traditional ideas and influence on the character shed light on how much progressive subtext we can confidently read into the original Wonder Woman. But Marston's image of strong role model began to fade actually in the 1947 when he died. Robert Kennedy took over starting in the 1950s. A psychiatrist named Frederick Wortham and various parent groups objected that the superhero was actually encouraging lesbianism in the American youth. So, Wonder Woman's powers were stripped away and the character of Wonder Woman and her stories began to center more around her love life, not as much around her superpowers and to save the others. The character of Wonder Woman suffered commercially for decades and as a result by the end of the 60s, 
Diana gave up her powers to stay on Earth with Steve Trevor and thereby run a boutique using martial arts instead of her powers to fight crime. This led to the 1974 made-for-a-TV movie starring Kathy Lee Crossy, which fe- featured a flirtatious Bond secretary, Wonder Woman, and it was intended as a TV pilot, but not surprisingly, this Wonder Woman without powers and made to be Steve Trevor's assistant was pretty unpopular. A year later, Diana got her powers back for the iconic 1975 show starring Linda Carter. Carter's version focused on saving people and finding the Nazis showing the caring humanitarian superhero for Marston's original vision. In recent years, Wonder Woman has taken on a positive relation to LGBT rights and in the 2015 issue, she officiates the marriage of two women. And one of the common comic writers, Greg Ruka, has explicitly identified her as quote obvious bisexual. While there have been several female writers, the majority of the comics over the years have been written by men. The 2017 film also had no female writers but significantly is directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins. Wonder Woman's superhuman abilities have shifted in nature over the years. Marston gave her super strength and hand-to-hand combat skills, making her something of a female equivalent to a superman. Creator Marston also invented a key component of the polygraph machine, which may have inspired Wonder Woman's weapon of choice, the Lasso of Truth. This was crafted by the Hephaestus, the Greek god of smiths and metalworking. The Lasso of Truth forces anyone who comes in contact with it to obey all of Diana's commands and to tell the truth. She also uses the indestructible bracelets given to all Amazon women as her defense, her tiara as a razor, sharp boomerang and the sandals of Hermes, the Greek god messenger, which allows her to travel at lightning speeds by turning her accessories into powerful weapons. The comic found a way, actually a fun way, to invert the assumption that female character might care about her clothes. They inverted this in a very fun way, weaponizing Diana's femininity in a positive way as she becomes the strong savior of the occasional gentleman in jeopardy, Steve Trevor. She also uses traditionally male weapons like her sword and her shield, the combination of creating a balance of masculine and feminine in her fighting. The questions, I quote, how can a woman's fighting be performed in such kind of an attire, unquote, was much dealt with in a very proper way. From the very beginning, some readers objected to the bondage subject of Wonder Woman's chains and her fondness for tying her enemies, but Marston liked the feminist imagery of a woman breaking down of her chains. Marston saw bondage maybe as a positive practice. Diana's bracelets of submissions are both a sign of loving submission to the goddess and a reminder of her people's past enslavement. Diana's world is full of nods to Greek and Roman mythology. Her name Diana is a Roman equivalent of Artemis, the virginal goddess of the hunt. Like her namesake Diana is pure close to nature and fiercely independent. One of her recurring supervillains is Ares, the Greek god of war. 
Her fight against Ares underlines again that Diana's true enemy is war itself and her life mission is to establish peace. Beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, stronger than Hercules and swifter than Hermes, she's also known for invoking goddesses through catchphrases like great Aphrodite, great Hera, merciful Mirvana, and to the Greek love poet suffering Sappho. The DC Universe's 2011 revamp, the new 52 changed the actual origin story that she was born from clay and this was now said to be a cover-up for the truth that Diana is actually the daughter of Zeus. Born as Princess Diana, Wonder Woman uses the allies that Diana Prince is to disguise her true self. But the name switch from princess to prince to from prince to princess again also plays on a combination of traditionally male and female qualities. She's as powerful as any male superhero, but she's also loving and caring, and a key part of Diana is that she's kind. The director of the film, Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins, said, I quote, Being a woman is often not a proactive state of being, of going and punching someone out it, ends up being so much more on an everyday scale. It's about understanding and love and forgiveness and the complexity of life and how one uses the power as an adult wisely and kindly." Marston's concept before he thought about gender was a superhero who would rule not through force but through love. She can easily dominate in a fight but she's opposed to fighting at all. Marston wanted to correct the problem that, quote, our feminine archetype likes, lacks force, maybe the strength and the power. And there's a part in the comic where Wonder Woman actually says, I lift cars. I can lift car door handles. Exclamation mark. And he wanted to show that quality is traditionally seen as feminine and therefore written off as being, quote, tender, submissive, peace-loving, unquote are also strengths and not weaknesses. She's everything. She can be vulnerable. She can be sensitive, the greatest warrior, strong, confident, confused. She can be all of the above. Her feminine qualities also include her appeal and beauty. To this very day, dissenters criticize her too perfect proportion. Protesters even push the UN to revoke honorary ambassadorship, while others actually gave Gal Gadot a hard time for not even having the right measurements. It's a very silly fact to protest upon. Marston saw Wonder Woman as a sex-positive woman who represented the myriad forms of strength, which didn't mean separating herself from her sexuality, while much debate to be had over the finer points. It's important to remember that bold and influential nature of Diana's feminist roots today She continues her legacy as a strong role model for girls around the world. Hey everyone, welcome back. We'll move on to our third stop, that is, the evolution of Wonder Woman's costumes. Casual fans of Wonder Woman may have been intrigued or confused by the armored outfit the hero wears in her solo movie. 
After all, it's a pretty far cry from the classic look Linda Carter sported in the 70s. But comic book fans know that Wonder Woman's costume has been in a constant flux for the past 75 almost years. But why is that? Here's a look at the journey of Wonder Woman's costumes. The original costume when Wonder Woman first appeared in the All-Stars comic 8 in 1941, she was already recognizable as the iconic hero we all know today. Inspired by patriotic drawings of Lady Liberty from the suffragette movement in World War I, artist H.G. Peter and writer William Moulton Marston came up with a look featuring a gold tiara, bracelets, red strapless top decorated with a golden eagle, red boots and blue culottes spangled with white stars. Yes, that's right. It was not a skirt. It was culottes. So why does Wonder Woman dress like an American flag when she is not even American? Because Wonder Woman's mom, Queen Hippolyta, cleverly designed the costume to make her daughter more popular and appealing to Americans. Now that's a very public relations move. Next was a sanitized post-war version. When Marston died in 1947, the radical feminist subtext of Wonder Woman also died with him sadly, killed off by new writer Bob Kalinga. Diana soon embraced traditional gender roles for the 1950s, longing to marry Steve Trevor and settle down as a housewife. Her costume changed to reflect her new values, such as her boots were replaced with ballet slippers, her hair was pulled back in a more conservative do, and her swimsuit-like costume became more demure, carefully covering her chest and also her upper thighs. Next was a no costume, but fashion phase. The fashion phase was in the late 1960s, when Wonder Woman underwent a drastic makeover, losing her superpowers and her star-spangled costume to become a globe-sorting action hero in the mold of Emma Peel. The popular character played on the British TV series The Avengers. Not only was the new mod Diana fashion plate in the own right, but modeling a line of sleek jumpsuits befitting an international adventurer, she even opened a fashion boutique to help the other women find their own inner Wonder Woman. The new look Wonder Woman was sported ended in the 1972s, when Gloria Steenum featured Wonder Woman on the cover of the first issue of Miss Magazine and successfully pressured DC Comics to returning her new superpowered roots. And this returning to her old superpowered roots was something which was very pressured upon and had to be done. So the next phase was a new logo. Diana's costume received an important update in the 1982. DC President Janet Kahn went to give Wonder Woman a distinctive logo that could be used for trademark and licensing purposes. That eagle on her chest was nice and patriotic, but it was also very generic, unlike the logos for heroes like Superwoman and Batman. Graphic designer Milton Glasser created a new double W logo with wings. In the comics, Diana is given this new design by members of a real-world charity organization called the Wonder Woman Foundation and decides to wear it to help raise awareness of social issues facing women around the world. Versions of this logo have been used ever since. The next phase is a different Diana. After the DC Universe was rebooted in the Crisis of an Infinite Earth crossover, writer-slash-artist 
George Perez was brought in to relaunch Wonder Woman in 1987. Though he left the costume mostly the same, he gave it a new background to explain exactly why it looks like an American flag. In this new origin story, Steve Trevor's mother Diana crashed her plane onto a hidden island in the 1940s and died helping the Amazons defeat a mystical threat from the underworld. To honor this legacy of hers, Queen Hippolyta named her daughter after Diana Trevor and designed a new ceremonial suit for uh, of armor based on the woman in the Air Force patches on Trevor's flight jacket. That armor would eventually become the basis of the outfit we know and love from the movies. The next look is the 90s look. In the 1990s, the big trend in the comics was replacing old heroes with newcomers. For Diana, this meant she lost the title of Wonder Woman to another Amazon named Artemis. Diana kept up the good fight, of course, but she did it wearing biker shorts, a strappy bikini top, a bolero jacket, and no less than three belts. She even got a shorter haircut and bangs to complete the extreme aesthetic. Naturally, she got her title and the costume that goes with it back, but only after a few months. And her hair even grew back as soon as she put that on. Thanks to gods, I loved the look she came back in. Hippolyta Sword a few years later, Diana again stopped being Wonder Woman and her lookalike mother Hippolyta took her place. Hippolyta's, Hippolyta's Wonder Woman costume brought back the classic eagle but made it more like an armor than the simple insignia. Meanwhile, the W logo moved to her belt. She also wore a skirt and carried a sword and a shield instead of a lasso. Though Hippolyta's time as Wonder Woman has largely been forgotten, the design changes made by the artist John Bryan have had a lasting impact also. The next is Donna's armor. The Infinite Crisis crossover shook up the DC Universe in 2006, not least with another new Wonder Woman in the form of Donna Troy, Diana's adopted sister of sorts and the hero formerly known as Wonder Girl. As the star of a relaunched Wonder Woman series written by Alan Heinberg with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson, Donna wore a fully armoured costume with gladiator skirt and a sword on her belt. The next phase was Diana's pants. After dressing Wonder Woman in her classic outfit for a number of years, DC Comics decided to go totally off the rails in 2010 and revamped her outfit to include a black leather jacket, a choker and some yoga pants thrown in for good measure. While some fans were happy to see her wearing a more practical outfit instead of a star-spangled swimsuit, the unfortunate 90s vibe created by artist Jim Lee brought back too many traumatic memories. Indeed, it just didn't end up mattering much either way, though because DC changed her look yet again just a year later. Armoured in silver. Just the next year, that is a year later, in 2011, DC continue, con- DC's continuity was completely rebooted, you could say, as their entire line was relaunched with 52 new hashtag one issues. Diana's new look was once again designed by Jim Lee, but this time it was huded closer to the original look, albeit with some significant alterations, of course. All traces of yellow and gold in the costume were replaced with silver instead, and the red on her top was textured to make it look more like an armor than fabric. This costume also included a sword, which has been standard for all Wonder Woman costumes since, and for some reason, another choker. Lastly, the movie look. 
We got our first glimpse of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in July of 2014 in a promo image of Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. But since then, fans have had plenty of opportunity to see the new cinematic look in action. The top is dark red and armored, while the bottom is blue gladiator skirt. She has a W logo on her belt like Hippolyta's costume, although there's another W layered into the eagle design on her chest. Her tiara points down rather than up as it traditionally has in the comics. And of course she carries a sword and a shield in addition to the magic lasso. It all adds up to one of the most instantly iconic looks in Wonder Woman and superhero that is the history. Moving back to 2016, DC once again rebooted the line of comics introducing another new costume for Wonder Woman. This time we're moving back in history to 2016. This is when however artist Tony Daniel took the popular look of the movies and used it as a basis for the design and ensuring that the fans of both comics and the films won't be confused or disappointed. But as I would like to end this episode, I would definitely like definitely love to say and have to put the sentence in that is no matter what she's wearing She is definitely a wonder to watch and is a wonder to be. Hey everyone and welcome back. We'll move on to our last segment which isn't particularly on any subtopic but just my concluding thoughts on the same. All of the earliest superheroes were created by male writers for a primarily male audience and this led to some questionable at best portrayals of today's best known female superheroes. But in 1941 this changed. William Moulton Marston, a man who lived in a polyamorous relationship with two feminists, was inspired by the suffrage movement. He gave us his breath of fresh air with the invention of the most famous heroine of all time. Wonder Woman was born, bringing with her a promise of feminism. While some of Marston's ideas about feminism don't translate particularly feminist today, but he worked to promote the idea that women are just as powerful as men and should be represented. She embodies a feminine sense of peace, justice, emotional intelligence combined with classic superhero charisma. In one of the movies set against the backdrop of Wonder Woman's first interaction with humans during the First World War, we see her rise from strength to strength on the island of women who left ancient Greece to escape the enslavement of men. Wonder Woman is slowly but surely liberating the superhero genre from decades of ridiculous sexism, appearing to do the impossible for women. As it turns out, her secret weapon isn't any of her fancy gadgets, it's her empathy. Upon landing in the trenches of an isolated paradise island, she's a character who values love over hate, peace over war, and finds it hard to ignore the cries for help she hears, and holds fast to her morals even when others try to deter her from the same. The superhero remains a feminist icon so many years after creation because she symbolizes the idea that balance is key to equality, being able to embrace both masculine and feminine insiders, the tenderness and the tenacity is the strength and sign of strength. If we do that well, then maybe one day we will arrive somewhere where personality traits aren't gendered. They are very simple. and all the things a human being can be thank you